0: Welcome to How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the show this week. This is our long-awaited episode. We are finally getting to it. I know some of you probably have been wondering if I forgot. Today is our Etsy FAQ discussion where a while back, I think even maybe even two months ago now, I kind of put out the call and said, email me, DM me. Hit me up on TikTok if you have a question that you would like me to answer, and we're just going to do one big FAQ discussion episode just dedicated to whatever you want to know. What's kind of fun about this is that um, a lot of these subjects are maybe not long enough to warrant a whole episode, but to stack the FAQs, like I know these are things you need to know, you've been wondering about you've been looking for answers, this is the perfect way to be able to cover some of them. So thank you to everyone who sent in a submission. I hope that this answers your question at a, at a deeper level and helps you get on your way, whether it was via email or Instagram or TikTok or there were a few other random, (laughs) random things, random places as well. I heard from you, but the point is I think we've got a decent discussion for today. So, um, Let's just dive right in, shall we? This is going to be a hodgepodge. I don't even have a good name for this other than Etsy FAQ. <laughs> so, we're, well, I should say we're going to talk about everything from um, SEO to Etsy ads to some strategy questions to how much time you should be spending in your Etsy shop to um, how long does it take to make money. Like, it's very random, but those are some of the things that we're going to be covering. I've got something like 25 questions here. We're going to see how many we can get through in a reasonable amount of time where I'm not sucking up your whole day. Um, So that at least gives you a taste if you were kind of popping on to be like, well, what is this going to be like? Um, There are a lot of, those are a few of the subjects. There are a lot more. So the first question came from Serena and she says, I love your podcast and listen to every episode. I'm looking at starting my own POD or print on demand Etsy shop and wanted to know your opinion on pricing. I don't know whether I should try to get top dollar for my products or price them where I would make a smaller profit, but possibly sell more because of the lower cost. I'm trying to make a passive income. Also, what is your opinion on charging shipping versus free shipping? Thanks. Okay, so there were actually a lot of people who reached out with some, like some, uh, type of question like this or in this vein. So this is really good. Thank you, Serena. So, um, first of all, print on demand is amazing. So many of you are just so excited about print on demand. And I don't blame you. I think that the world is your oyster. I think that there's a lot more um, opportunities that are going to be coming up for print on demand. Some of the general T-shirt stuff is, you know, very um, busy on Etsy. But the the genre of having another company. Produce a design that you've made. I think will only grow. Um, later this year, I'm having another amazing print on demand expert. We we all love Jenny from the shop, who has been on the podcast a few times, and will definitely be again in the future. And we've got an, um, another gal with kind of a different perspective and some other things that she teaches coming on. And this is just, I think this is just going to be a growing field. So let's address the details here for Serena. So the first thing about pricing. Here's what I think about pricing, you guys, and you're gonna find. <laughs> different, really different opinions about this, especially if you spend any time in the Etsy forums, just like put on your armor before you even, (laughs) if you even join an Etsy Facebook forum. Um, uh, here's, Here's my opinion. I obviously, like I'm in business to make money, right? I obviously believe in making a profit and making the best profit you can and having a profitable business. Yes. I also think that when you are first getting started, and you are trying to gain traction in a busy marketplace. You can't just you, profit cannot be your number one priority. It should be a priority. You just the, this attitude that I often see in the um, in the forums, and I I mean I get it, and I like respect it. I'm just really wondering how far it's going to get them. It's just this whole no no profit should be your number one priority, and I just don't think it should be on Etsy, I don't think that's the way to success. I personally suggest that you take a look at what the best sellers are in the niche and you price yourself accordingly and you get as close to that as you can, because here's the reality. Here's, here's just, sometimes we have to almost look at it from um, a different lens, like take a step back from your product and your shop and go look at maybe an entirely different niche if you need to to get a get a different perspective. So if I, you know, if I make handmade signs, maybe I should go look at t-shirts or jewelry or something that I'm not personally emotionally connected to or invested in and go look at the market and then compare like okay, here are the best sellers. They obviously they have great social proof. The shops have sales, they've got reviews. And they're a bestseller for a reason. They've probably got some kind of badge there, bestseller badge. And or it shows 20 other people have this in the cart. And it does create an emotional, psychological response in the shopper that says, Oh, this is this is probably what I want. And some of you, some of you are not gonna be like some of you are more of the unicorn, you're gonna be like, I don't want it because it's a bestseller. Let me find the small guy who hasn't sold anything. And I commend that. I'm just trying to like I really respect you. I'm like, I'm there with you. But I'm trying to get you in the mindset of the typical Etsy shopper. And they are going to be looking at the best sellers and they're going to be very drawn to that because there's social proof around it. They feel like it's less of a risk to spend their money on that bestseller. So as you are evaluating where you're going to price your product, you can't just go in and go way higher than the bestseller because you want to make the best possible profit. Um, I would even in the beginning break, break even, uh, there were times when I would take a tiny loss just in the beginning, because what I'm trying to do is get my, if, if someone's, if someone's looking at their Etsy res- search results for my product and they sift by price, I want to come up near the top of the search that I can, especially I want to come up near the best sellers because then I have the best chance of being seen and being purchased. Once you're established in that algorithm, and you are showing up there, and you have a bestseller badge, or you have lots of sales, and you've got great reviews, then you got some more wiggle room to start bumping up the prices a bit, and um, and knowing that it's still going to sell because you've still got some social proof there, and making your customer feel a little more comfortable spending the extra money. So that's that's my approach. I know some of you may not agree, and I respect that. I understand. Um, you know, like what's the point of doing it if you're not going to make a great profit? And I'm suggesting that you would do this for, you know, two, four, six weeks, maybe stay at the lower end. Like even if you could beat out the bestseller by even 50 cents or a dollar, just something to, um, you need, you need a way to convince that shopper to choose you as the new shop who is not established, who does not have the social proof. How are you going to convince them they should choose you over the bestseller? And you can blow smoke up your butt all day long. And I hope you do because I think your work is important. I think it's special. I think it's valuable. I think you are. I'm just trying to get you in the mindset of what someone making a purchase decision is thinking through. So that's my thought. Um, I would start with a smaller profit. I would I would bump it up as you start getting traction. Um And the great thing about print-on-demand is you haven't put... It's not like I was sitting there hand-painting. My husband's out there building. I'm hand-painting signs all day long and still only breaking even. Like, that sucked. (laughs) At least you're in a print-on-demand space where, you know, you're the... It's not as painful (laughs) to not make that profit. And then she also asked, what was my opinion on shipping, charging shipping versus free shipping? Um, I always went for the free shipping. I... Any kind of... I I. Now, let me just let me just say, I don't think you have to. I, I think that um, I would, would, whoever you're comparing yourself to, like other other um, shops and other products, compare the price apples to apples. So make sure that if you are charging shipping, that when the customer would, would add your product to the cart, the cost of your product plus shipping and tax would be comparable to the cost of the bestseller that has free shipping. See what I'm saying? Because what you don't want to do is all of a sudden your product is priced $5 more than the bestseller because you've got shipping on there. So watch out for that. I was personally always really into free shipping um, because I want every single social proof badge I could get on Etsy, whether it was the free shipping, whether it was a bestseller badge, whether it was the star seller badge, I want as much social proof on that platform as I can get. Um... So, so yeah, sorry about the breathiness. I'm literally going to be giving birth in like four or five days. And so the breathing, (laughs) I'm totally fine, but that's why I'm just like, (gasps) Um, that's my thought on the free shipping. So I, I still think you can get away with now charging the shipping. Just pay, pay attention to comparing those prices. Um, Is there anything else I wanted to say about the shipping? I do think that, you know, in our Amazon culture, I, I don't think you have to do, I think, especially if you have a handmade item, I think you can get away with charging shipping a little more than with a print on demand or a, you know, obviously digital is not going to have one. Just, just make sure you're paying attention to that bottom line price that people are looking at. Okay. Next, this question is from David and he says, how can we succeed on Etsy selling digital products like Shopify themes, digital stickers and icons? Um, Great question. I know tons of you are excited about also the digital space. I think that there's only going to be more and more endless ideas for those as well. Um, I would refer you, David, for if you want like a lot more information on this, look at podcast episode 22. And it was with Anastasia's templates. And she has she went into so much detail about this. And she was talking about... um, themes and passive income and templates and and digital products like that. I think that you absolutely can succeed. I think you have to pay close attention to creating a product that is in demand. So using a tool like Sales Samurai, um, which Sales Samurai and Everbee are my two favorite like paid tools that I use. I know there's also Marmalade, which is supposed to be wonderful, and... um, there's, there's, there's several tools like that now that are out there Etsy hunt. And, um, I'm, I'm actually, I don't know why I'm like blanking on like the, the, the biggest one out there, but the two that I use, and it's not because I think that they're like that. I think the others are bad. I just personally have the best relationship with Sale samurai and, um, Everbee. And so, um, I would use those tools and your own research, looking at, best sellers, um, in the digital space, but just find things that are already selling. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Don't think, Oh my gosh, I've got this creative idea that no one's made yet. Well, the problem with that is that if no one's made it, odds are no one is searching for it. And if you don't have shoppers already on Etsy searching for your product, it's not going to matter how amazing, how cost effective, how helpful, how creative it is. No one's going to find it. So, um, that's the way to go about that is you're going to, you're going to pay attention. You're going to use those tools to research, 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 um, find out what keywords are, are doing really well. What are people searching for a ton? Those, both of those tools will show you even with a free trial, um, it'll help you narrow down the keywords that people are hunting for. And then you can also look at how much competition do you have in with that keyword? And there's, there's, you know, there's ways in there. I will, um, make sure and tag my sales samurai tutorial. I have like a couple minutes, like less than 10 minutes, little like, here's how you use this. And here's how I use it to figure out what keywords to use um, and how to figure out what would be competitive. Like, what, cause you don't, if like, let me put it to you this way. Let's say you're trying to use a um, search term, something that someone would be looking for on Etsy that is searched for, you know, 300 times a month, which isn't terrible, but isn't great, by the way. So let's say there's 300 searches a month, but when you search it, there are 2,000 search results, like competitors. That is not a happy place to be in because you don't have a ton of search volume and you've got a lot of competition. So there's ways of using these tools that will help you figure out, you know, well, what keywords could I use that have a decent search volume and don't have a super high competition? So that's what I will show you in the Sales Samurai video Um, on how you can look at those numbers and and do that little, it's real basic math. Trust me, it's not difficult math or I wouldn't be doing it. So um, check out that podcast episode 22 with Anastasia's templates to get like a lot more detail on how to kill it in the digital space. It's a great space. It's a a great um, growing niche as well. Okay. Lauren, she sent me four questions. Let's see. I think these were via email. The first question from Lauren is, how long does it take for a new listing to be recognized or gain traction in the Etsy algorithm? Okay, so it depends, (laughs) which is like what the answer to everything. If you are a brand new shop, I would answer it a little differently than if you had been established and you have some sales, you've got something that sells regularly because Etsy is looking at the entire picture of your shop and they're trying to determine because here's here's the decision Etsy needs to make. They're a business. They want to make a profit. They're going to make the most profit by creating the most sales. So they want to show the listings to the shopper. The, the, the shopper is the most likely to buy. And yeah, they want to help out the new shop because if they can help the new shop be successful, then they've got another whole set of products to pull from. But the tipping point is going to be what is going to be most likely to engage that shopper into a sale. So what I have observed is that when a listing first goes live, it tends to start for the first couple hours, kind of higher um, in the search results. And I um, I have tested this myself by publishing a new listing, waiting 15 minutes, and then going to a new browser or new computer somewhere where I wasn't logged in to Etsy, and then searching for for my item using my key my main keywords, and then seeing where my listing was showing up, I would count how many pages and how many uh, um, rows into the search results I was finding myself. And I would kind of so that so I would use that tool a lot. Actually, I would count like that. Sometimes I would even try to see, well, what if I renew a listing? Does that do anything? And I would notice that if I if I did click and renew an old listing and I compared where was it coming up in the search results before I renewed it and after there was a bump of several rows or sometimes pages um, like that the renewal did make a difference I haven't tried that this year but in the past when I've done it it can't hurt it's 20 cents right someone y'all, y'all try it and email me tell me if it works and it bumps you up a bit but I noticed in the beginning when you first list a new product you're going to start out kind of near um, higher in the search results than you would have assuming your SEO is good, of course, and then what's going to happen is that it, it's going to slow down from there, and over the next two weeks or so, Etsy's going to index your product, and your shop, and all of that, and so I, um, before I start telling someone to make changes to a listing, I usually ask them to leave it for two weeks, and see what happens, so hopefully that helps, like, give it two weeks, but if you were going to be, like, a stalker about your own listing, you're going to notice it starts out higher, it goes down lower, and then it kind of levels out to where it's going to be. And then you can make adjustments from there. She also asks, should new listings be added strategically? Or is it okay to add more than one new listing in the same day? Okay, um, there's a couple things I want to tell you guys about this that I have heard slash learned slash experienced. The first is I have heard that um, if you as a new shop, like if you are established in the last probably since 2020, so the last 24-ish months, a little less than that, that um, the rules are a bit different than if you've been around for a while. The newer shops, if you are opening your shop and you list a ton of new listings all in one day, whether it's the first day or you do a few the first day, but then five days later you drop a hundred, the um, the little bots that have been set up to try to find scammy shops and 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 spammy shops will sometimes flag you and shut you down, which is just the biggest bummer ever. And like here's the reality. If you guys get your shop suspended or shut down, there is like nothing I can do about it or any other Etsy expert. I mean, you can reach out to Etsy, you may or may not hear hear back from them. Um a lot of times, you know, you can kind of get it reversed, but like you basically like it's all about prevention. You do <laughs> please prevent it. Don't don't take the risk and get yourself there because odds are if you do get suspended for something, we can't get your shot back. So what you want to do is um, don't post a ton of new listings all up front, like no more than five a day. Um, if you're a brand new shop, that's kind of what I have seen. So that's the first thing I wanted to tell you is for some reason there's a, it's like looking for spam. And if you put up a whole bunch and I don't know what that number is, Etsy hasn't like released a number. I don't have a science to it. I've just noticed. So I'm kind of feeling like five a day is safe, but what's going to be most important. This is part two is you want to be regularly adding new listings. So what is going to help your shop, and this kind of actually also answers, this refers to your first question too, Lauren, about how long does it take for a new listing to be recognized? Your whole shop is, like the listings are working individually and then the shop is working holistically. And so Etsy loves to see you, all of us, regularly adding new listings consistently. So I would figure out for you, what is something you can reasonably do? Like how often can you consistently add new listings? Is it one or two a day? Is it five to 10 a week? Is it, you know, 15 a month? And then spread them out. Like make it so you are you are basically so that Etsy can predict your behavior. Um, I know that sounds creepy. I don't mean it in a creepy way. I'm just saying like Etsy can count on you to continue to create new products and I will tell you guys, just because you're creating a new listing doesn't mean you're like having to create a whole new product. If you're in print on demand, maybe you take one of your um, T-shirts that gets the most views and you just create a new listing with the exact same design on a different color. Or you put it on a sweatshirt instead of a T-shirt. Or you put it on a tote bag. Or you um, relist the exact same thing with a different main photo, like you use a different stock or um, mock-up photo. So just because you're creating a new listing does not mean you have to be creating an entirely new product. Um, So hopefully that answers that question, Lauren. You make sure that if consistency is key, do whatever you can to prevent coming across as spammy. You'll be in good shape. Um, Next question was, she asked, do you think paying for Etsy ads is worth it? What about paying for Google ads? Okay, I'm so excited that someone asked this question. A couple of you did, actually, um, because it's one of those things where, like, devoting an entire episode probably isn't worth it for you guys, (laughs) Um, but it's an important thing for you to know. Um, Here are my thoughts on Etsy ads. I, uh, for sure, use them. They have made me a ton of money. I've not felt like I've lost a lot of money. I'm not nearly as angry at Etsy ads as some people are. I have never paid for Google ads ads. Um, it's not something that I teach or recommend. It's not something I've ever needed. So of course, if you end up moving over to building your own website, that might be a completely different discussion. But for your Etsy shop, I don't think there's any need to pay for Google ads. Now about Etsy ads, here's where if you're multitasking or you're thinking about something else, I want you to come back to me and listen because this is the most important thing I can tell you about Etsy ads. You should not spend any money on an Etsy ad for a listing until you're already making sales on it. I know some of you are thinking that's like the most counterintuitive thing you've ever heard. But the reality is, is that you are going to waste money if you turn on an ad to try to put fuel behind a a listing that isn't already selling. The way to use an ad is to, once you've got listings up and you've got a few that are performing for you, you then add Etsy ads on top of the ones that are doing well to sell more of those. The reason is, is because if it's already selling, it means the SEO is good. It's going to get in front of the right people. The picture, the photo, your photos you're using are jumping out in the feed. They are competing with the, you know, 30 other little uh, icon sized photos that people are seeing at a time um, at a rate that they're, they're drawing enough views to it and enough eyeballs to it to create sales. And there's some regularity to it with which it is selling. So that just means, okay, I've got the right audience. I've got the right I've got the right secret sauce on this listing. Let's just put some more gas behind it. So um, do not, do not, do not pay for Etsy ads with for a new listing that you haven't tested yet or a listing that's never sold before. That is, that is what I have learned the hard way. <laughs> over time so um, so yes I think they are worth it once you've got things already selling if you are if you are not selling anything yet you need to go back to the drawing board of how is my SEO how are my photos comparing with the other um, uh, listings in the feed how is my price comparing looking at like you know are there maybe FAqs you haven't answered there's you need to go back to the drawing board about evaluating your your listing um, her number four question was, this is perfect. Okay. She says, if your SEO photos, tags, and descriptions are all good, but you're still not getting any sales, is it time to change direction, give up, or just cry? (laughs) Lauren, you cracked me up. Okay. So um, here's the thing. If you're not getting any views or sales, that tells me one of two things. It either tells me that A, there is not enough of a market for your product on Etsy to, um, to generate an income for you or your SEO photos tags and descriptions actually aren't all good in comparison to what the shopper is seeing from other shops and I will tell you guys I know um, some people are more maybe negative about it. Um, which isn't, I, you guys know, isn't really my style anyway, but here's, it's just the bottom line truth. Like what you need to, I talk to Etsy sellers every single day of all I talk to Etsy sellers who make millions a year. I talk to Etsy sellers who've never sold a thing. I talked to Etsy sellers who started in the last six months in the last 24 months, or who started 10 years ago. I'm, I'm, getting a very wide range of experience by who I get to talk to. It's, um, it's very advantageous. And so it's not just a, I'm not just, you know, I'm not just speaking by my own experience or by that of like three people. It's like hundreds of people. And what I've learned from talking to all those people is that new shops, brand new shops, new listings, new ideas can still gain traction and make tons of money. I have people I know who have way surpassed the hundreds of thousands of dollars I've made on Etsy in a much shorter time than I've made it. So I don't want to, I don't want, I want to keep us out of the mentality of like, Oh, it's only the old established shops that work. The new shops don't make any money. It's all too saturated. Like, no, no, no. None of that mentality is going to serve you. Okay. You need to listen to that still small voice in your gut that has prompted you to go on this journey and you need to like dig your heels in and figure out what the issue is. It may, okay, now it may be that you need to give up on that product. You may, but here's the first thing I would do. First thing I would do is I would get onto Sale Samurai. And I'd be doing searches and figuring out how often are people searching on Etsy for this item, this item that I'm trying to sell. And are they using the words that I have used in my title descriptions and tags to search for it? The second thing I would look at is if those numbers are good, if there are a lot of monthly searches, I would look at how much, how much competition do I have when they, when those searches happen, how many search results are coming up? Is it like, okay, there's a thousand searches for it a month, but there's 10,000 competitors. Well, then I know I need to go, I need to like dig into sales samurai a little more and find some other keywords that are still being searched a lot, but maybe don't, there are, they're not being used by those other competitors kind of getting a shoe in with something, you know, um, with some, some great, some great other keywords. And again, that little sales samurai tutorial will show you how to do that. Um, but the, the other thing is you've got to compare apples to apples. You've got to pull up here. So that's the first thing I would do. I would make sure there's actually, there are people searching for it on Etsy. And then if I found out that there were, I would then go in and I would pull three to five of the best sellers Um, selling, you know, something really similar to what I am, the people who are selling it and making money with it. And I would, I would look at their listing with, I'd go go through it with a fine tooth comb. What are their photos? What are their titles? What is their price point? What does their description say? What are their tags? Which I can check the tag, I check the tags using Everbee. Um, I think the Everbee extension is wonderful for that. Plus I just love, it's like so user-friendly and it just like shows you so easily um, like how much, Uh, a shop is selling a month like holistically and then on their individual products I think it's so fun to see it see that at a glance because um, I'm not like my husband my husband would go in and just like figure out how to do the math he'd like have a whole his own whole algorithm going but that's not like me I just want to see a super clean screen like little representation of what are they making I would be using those tools and I would just be Looking at every single detail. I, what is the the other thing is that can be um, a big factor is turnaround time. If my turnaround time is three weeks, but the bestseller is three days, well, hmm. I mean, I may not be able to figure out how to do it in three days, but then I better figure out another way to compete with that bestseller, or I need to change up my processes and figure out how I can compete in the turnaround time. That one can be huge, especially for something that is going to be a gift. Um, if you're in a space where your product can be a gift, you got to pay attention to that turnaround time just as much as SEO, photos, tags, all of it. But um, the other thing I would do is I would look through their whole photo gallery. Don't just look through the thumbnail that is catching the buyer's uh, attention and you know at the get go. You want to go through the whole photo gallery because here's what I've learned. Most shoppers will not read the the description. There are some of us who are super detailed and anal. I can be like that. I always read a description. I want to see what the dimensions are. But like we all know, right? Those um, those bad reviews that we get are always from the people who didn't read. (laughs) Either like, either some mail carrier lost the package, and the you know person wants to blame us for it, or. They didn't read the description. We sent them exactly what they ordered, but they're saying we didn't because they weren't paying attention. So like, here's the thing. You can either like beat them or join them. And so I'm just like, let's just join them. (laughs) And so um, what I learned is that the best sellers usually had answers to FAQs in their photo gallery. So when you click through, because remember remember I um, sold wood signs. And so people, one of the biggest questions is, well, what are the dimensions? But they don't want to go look through the details of the description. So I made sure the dimensions were really clear in my photo gallery. And when they were kind of like swiping through the pictures, they could see there what the exact, they could see like a representation of the sign and what the exact dimensions were going to be. Like anything that they were going to add, because another FAQ for me was like, well, are there hangers? How do the hangers work? Um, what are your favorite, like, or what do you recommend for like, what? Uh, wall hanging hardware, all those kinds of things. Well, the colors. show me the color swatches. And once I figured out to put everything, every question they could possibly have, not just in the listing description, but in the photo gallery, oh my gosh, like the heavens opened and angels sing. And um, my sales went up because people were getting their questions answered. Because here's the thing, again, just like most people won't read the description, they also won't take the time to DM you. They're just going to like click, click out and go to the next listing that they like and see if they can find an answer to their question there. So um, don't give up. Don't cry. <laughs> Look and make sure there's an actual market for your product. And then um, if there is, then there is something wrong with your SEO photos, tags, descriptions, turnaround time, pricing, something like that. So that is my opinion about that. Holy cow, I'm like looking at how um, I thought that I was going to fly through these questions and we are not. We <laughs> 30 minutes in and we've only gone through a few, but hopefully it's good. I feel like it's this some meaty stuff here. Like this is uh, a lot of the stuff that took me a long time to learn, like took years to kind of accumulate some of these little goodies. So. Okay. If you guys have been listening to me for more than 20 minutes, you've probably heard me talk about the three most important components of a successful Etsy shop. So number one, a product that people are actually searching for and buying right now. Number two, beautiful product photos that stand out in the search results. And number three, your SEO or keywords, which really simply just means your Etsy listings need to include the exact same phrases that your shoppers are searching for up there in that Etsy search bar. In fact, even if shoppers are buying your product like gangbusters from other shops and your pictures are like the quality to be on the cover of a magazine, if you don't have your SEO nailed and those perfect word phrases all throughout your Etsy listings, shoppers will literally never find you. So wait, wait, wait. Don't feel discouraged. I've got you. I want to let you in on my secret weapon for SEO on Etsy. It's a website called Sale Samurai that mines all of Etsy's shop and listing data so that you don't have to. Thank you. (laughs) You can find out what keyword phrases are searched the most for every single niche and how many listings are using them so that you can understand how steep the competition is. That is so helpful. So within the program, you're able to see details like hundreds of other keywords you can use, what shops and listings are performing the best in your space, what the pricing competition looks like, and so much more. It's literally, literally a goldmine of information that will help you compete in the search results. So if you would like to get a sneak peek of exactly what Sales Samurai can do, why I love it so much, what makes it so powerful, I created a YouTube video that will give you that overview. So check that out. It will be linked in the podcast show notes for you. And so Sales Samurai is a very reasonable monthly membership that you're going to want to maintain because you're going to do this research constantly in your Etsy shop. And they have very generously given me a 20% off for life coupon code just for you guys. So you get to start with a free trial, but go through my link so that they'll give you that lower rate for as long as you stick with the service. We all need to save a few bucks here and there. So the code is how to sell your stuff. There's no spaces between the words and it's all lowercase. But of course I will just link their site, the discount code and that YouTube mini tutorial for you all down in the show notes. <laughs> I'm so excited for you guys to get your hands on this one. I'm obsessed with it. I literally use it every day. I use it with my clients. We help help them get the edge. And I just know how much it can help you with that SEO game. So I definitely encourage you to give it a try. Okay. Now I've got a bunch of questions from TikTok. So we'll spend another like 15 minutes and see how many of these we can, <laughs> we can jet through. So, um, okay. Sarah from TikTok, she says she wants to know, how do you start an Etsy listing from start to finish? How do you research your SEO? How do you pick the best title? Um, Okay, so probably for this kind of a format on a a podcast, showing you how to start an Etsy listing from start to finish is not um, a great use of our time because I feel like that's a very visual experience. And so I would want you to be able to see step-by-step what I was doing. And so if you you guys want to know, how an expert would start an Etsy listing from start to finish, I would go to YouTube and I would say like set up an Etsy listing 2022 and look and see, you know, who comes up. That's got the most recent. And the reason I want you to say 2022 or whatever year, if it's 2023 and you're listening, I want you to have Etsy changes things. Sometimes not a ton. They're not as bad as some of the other platforms, but like, like Facebook, um, Um, but you're gonna wanna see some of the most recent screens of that like and where fields are. So just go to YouTube, look for that, and you're gonna get to see someone literally go step-by-step through every tiny detail of setting it up, and that's gonna be way more helpful for you. Um, How to research your SEO. I've sort of already explained this, but let me put it into this context because this is a different way of asking the question. The way that I search SEO is I look for the top three to five bestsellers in the niche that I'm studying. I pull them up and I look at their titles and I look at their tags and I then take the phrases and keywords from, from each one of those. I don't copy one directly because I don't want to be directly competing. I just want to have best selling SEO. I take a, a conglomeration. I take pieces from all three to five of them and I create my own title using all of the relevant pieces from those to to craft my title. Um, The strongest keywords should go at the front of the title. And then I separate them all by like that straight line. You know how some people will use a little hyphen or some people will use a comma. And I can see that like a comma um, or a hyphen or a comma for sure. You'd like maybe save a character space. I always did one of those straight up and down lines because I thought it looked, it not only could let me add a lot of different words, but it also allowed me to have a neat and tidy looking title rather than really messy. And for the for the shopper experience, I thought that was important. So that is how I pick the best title. I take the best selling SEO out there. I combine um, a bunch of the top sellers and I create my title that way. I use every character space I can. Um, if there are not best sellers, I look for the ones and oh by the way, sometimes The bestseller badge won't show up in the search results sometimes you have to actually click in to the listing and that's when you'll see the bestseller badge so just like a little pro tip there if you're not seeing any look near the top skip the line that has the ads the paid ads, you know because when you first get your search results the top line is going to be ads there'll be like a line or two of just the top the ones that are showing up at the top of the algorithm and then there'll be like another line of ads i typically skip the ads ones Um, and you can, if they are a bestseller, even the ads ones, they can kind you can kind of find them a little further down the page, just showing up at the algorithm. Um, but I do that a, to honor the, uh, the Etsy seller that posted them because they're going to pay for that ad if I click on it. Um, and B, because I want to see the ones that are showing up at the top, even so it says bestseller, I want to see the ones that are showing up at the top of the search results, honestly, like that's the most helpful for me than someone who paid for the ad. So Um, And if you don't see any bestsellers, even if you click in, look for ones that have, um, oh, where when you click into the listing, it shows that, oh, this product is in X number of people's carts. And then you know it's selling well because a bunch of people have them in their carts. I also will look to see, does the shop have a lot of sales and reviews? And if they do, that's a marker to me of, okay, this is a good one to look at because this is an established seller who knows what they're doing. Um so that is how I recommend that you do that. Question from Faith, how long does it take to make decent money? Okay, great question and again it depends. So this is totally like it depends on your product, it depends on your niche, it depends on the time of year. <laughs> it depends on so many different things, okay? So like for example, I was, you know, selling $200 signs that were massive that went over someone's bed, I could make a lot faster than someone who's selling a $2 like printable download. So you see how it just, it kind of depends on what your price point is and all of that. But here's what I do want to tell you. What I want to encourage you is that again, like we kind of talked about earlier, new shops and new sellers can totally make money. Like I know plenty of sellers who started making money right away. Um, I know plenty of them who didn't as well. And by the way, I didn't, it took me, I think three months to make, a sale that wasn't a friend and six months to start making regular sales where I could kind of expect it. Um, and even a little longer to get it to like a full-time income. So, uh, and I've heard that story over and over again too. Sometimes it takes us a while to, you know, to, to get our sea legs, so to speak, um, on the platform. But what, so I want to tell you is that it can be very quickly, Um, It can also be slowly. And what's what's important to know is that you have to just keep tweaking. You need to look at this as like a grand science experiment and you need to keep testing and tweaking. And um, I always recommend like Etsy is great to create a site income. And if you have done anything in sales or marketing or e-commerce before, you're probably going to have success faster because you just know more about SEO and photography and positioning a product and all of that. Um, but if you're in desperate straits to create income for your household, I think this is going to be super frustrating for you. I would encourage you, like, don't use Etsy to try to fix a massive problem. Like, if you're going to do that, get, as, get some kind of side job or do some, like, babysit or do something where you can get some kind of regular money to get the, take the edge off and then, like, do Etsy even more part-time so you can enjoy the process. The key to having success in your own business in any e-commerce situation on the etsy platform is giving yourself the time to learn the skills and here's the thing when i um completely pivot to the next etsy shop that i'm going to be doing in the spring i don't necessarily expect to start making tons of sales right away and be back at the income i was like i realize i'm gonna have to learn this whole new market i'm gonna have to learn a whole new product a whole new customer base. It's different. So give yourself grace and give yourself time to learn. And that is literally the key to making it. If you just stick with it long enough and keep t- approaching this um, from a curious mentality rather than a desperate mentality, you're going to get there. So, so that's the encouragement. And then also just that it can happen very fast. I know lots of shops who are newer um, who did happen fast. Some had e-commerce experience and some didn't. Question from Katie. What numbers you think are ideal in terms of search volume competition for a new shop researching keywords? Okay, so this again, it depends because there are some products that have a million searches a month on Etsy. There are some products that have 50, you know. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do the product that has 50. I was in a niche that had a lot less than some others. I could still make a great income from it. You see what I'm saying? Because it kind of, again, it just depends on so many different factors. What I would pay attention to rather than trying to give you hard and fast numbers is are are they growing? Are you seeing from week to week and you're, and again, you're adding new listings, you're, you're sharpening your shop, you're making things better and better, you're learning as you go. Are you seeing your numbers grow? And keeping in mind also, the seasonality of it. Okay. So from August to December, you're just simply going to see a lot more growth than you will when you hit January and February. Your your shop doesn't stink and you shouldn't quit because the numbers drop off in January, February. The summer is often very slow as well, just depending, <clears throat> depending on the niche that you're in. Um, interestingly, I've been seeing a lot of people in the etsy forums complaining about this october and they're like oh my gosh august and september were huge and it's got to be the economy it's got to be this because it's all tanked in october and then whatever and i i don't disagree we obviously have some pretty um the cost of living being what it is and some of the economical challenges we're having i'm sure are impacting the marketplace but just some historical data every single year my sales were trash in, in October, and I just worked ahead so that when November hit and everything went bananas before Christmas, December, November, and December, I was ready for it. Um, especially as you get close to the second half of October, everyone I think is spending all their money on Halloween. It happens every year. I'd always have a huge dip. So keep in mind, you want to look for just growth, growth over time. Are you seeing it grow, um, rather than looking for like, oh, this is what you know. This is you're tracking well if you've got this. And, um, so I hope that helps Kate. Um, question from Betsy. She says she wants to know about SEO, maybe price or designs. I have a little over a hundred listings and sales that came from friends, only sales that came from friends. She's in the nurse and teacher apparel niche. Okay. So, um, I again would be using that strategy we talked about earlier of looking for the best sellers in those niches and studying really carefully what are their pricing, what are they pricing at and what are their designs that are selling well. And it's not um, guys, if any single one of you goes and directly copies someone else, we're not friends anymore, okay? Like I am not encouraged by-, by telling you to look at the best sellers, I'm not telling you to copy them. I'm telling you to learn what their SEO is, I'm telling you to get inspired your creativity should come in on creating a tiny little tweak using a different font, using some different colors, using a a different design that is something that is trending, but isn't a direct copy of someone else that is like breaking the law. It's also poor integrity. It's bad karma. I don't support it. So just, I probably should have had that rant earlier, but, um, just to be clear where I stand on that, (laughs) there shouldn't be any ambiguity now, but, um, Uh, make sure that you are looking, uh, if you're not, if you're not seeing sales yet, you need to be comparing to the other shops that are selling what you're selling. Also, if you are in print on demand, um, you may need to expand beyond nurse and teacher apparel. Um, the, you know, when, when Jenny from the shop came on the podcast, that's episode 25. We'll talk about that here a little bit. Um, hopefully if we can get to it, um, she just she was a phenomenal episode. She gave so much insight. Go back and listen to episode twenty five if you really want to study print on demand. But you need to like I think she's got that was and this was this was in the spring or something. She had three thousand listings maybe, um, and she was hitting up all different kinds of niches. So you may need to expand. But there's also to your point, Betsy. There may be somewhere there where you're needing to tweak your price or designs. To be be competitive with the other um, choices in the marketplace for for um, teachers and nurses. Question from Colby: If you live in Canada, should you use a USA supplier or a Canadian supplier? I think it depends on um, where your most of your sales are. I only shipped within the United States because I was so. And this is just me; it's a limiting belief I have. So don't like don't um, <laughs> do as I say, not as I do, so to speak, guys. But I I wanted to stick in the United States because I was worried about customs, like my my, um, customer getting charged things that I couldn't anticipate or prepay for, or like couldn't price into it. I was worried about the things that come up when you're shipping internationally beyond just the turnaround times and knowing I was going to get complaints for people waiting too long for their item. Um, So I would, if you're selling mostly in Canada, I'd use the supplier in Canada. You're going to get a better experience for your um, end user. And if you're, selling mostly in the United States, I'd probably be looking for one in the United States. That's the way that I'd lean. Question from McKenna. Um, when you're selling short, informative digital pamphlets, how can you protect your work? Um, that is a whole That is a whole topic. First of all, um, because we may not get to some of these other questions, I would say, McKenna, there was a great episode podcast, podcast episode 36. We had attorney Paige Hulse, on the episode, she was phenomenal talking about stuff like this, and she's also coming back on the podcast for our next episode in just two weeks, and she's going to be talking about this in great detail, so that'll be, let's see, our episode today is number 60, so number 60, 61 that'll drop um, at the end. It'll be in two weeks. I don't know if it'll be the end of October or beginning of November, but the point is the next literally the next one to drop is her talking about that Um There's so much to it and and this podcast will never be for like legal or tax advice guys. It's just for educational purposes. But I think, you know, you always want to make sure you put a copyright on your stuff. I would be putting copyright language in your listing descriptions. I'd put one in the photo gallery. If someone's copying you, I would be DMing them immediately. Um, and just saying, Hey, like, listen, this is my original work. Uh, you know, I would be asking them to take it down. What's going to be, really important is how you defend it. Um, Because if half the time you just ignore it when people copy you, and then the other half the time you try to get someone to take it down, you're going to have problems in the long run. But Paige will go over this way more. And she's, she's an attorney that deal like this is like, this is her area of specialty. So come on back in two weeks for more on that. A question from an anonymous TikToker. How do you figure out why you aren't getting any sales or being seen? Um, Okay, that's great. We kind of Went over that on Lauren's question um, about like how to kind of evaluate if it's not working. You're going you're gonna to compare apples to apples with the best sellers in your niche. You're going to make sure that your product is actually something that's selling regularly on Etsy. Um, more than likely, a lot of times um, the first places I look when I'm helping to do a coaching session or an analysis of this kind of thing is I'm looking at, you Know what what is the design? What is the It's usually the photography or the SEO. Not always. Sometimes it's pricing or turnaround time or something else, or someone's just trying to sell a product that no one is searching for. They're trying to be too creative. Um, but those are so we've kind of covered that one, my friend. Well um, you've got some good wisdom earlier in the podcast on that one. Um okay, this is so I'm so glad we're getting to this one on time. I was hoping we would. Question from Deanny. My shop is mostly shirt t shirts. What would you say the ratio is of designs based off bestsellers and the designs based off your own creativity? Okay, let me, let me, unless you are already famous and you have a big social media following, this would be the exception. If you are, if you're a public figure, if you are a, an influencer, if you've got people who already do what you tell them to do, they're already influenced by you. You can do a lot more with creativity because you are the one who is creating the trends in your space with your people. If you are not and you are leveraging the marketplace of Etsy to sell things that people want to them, then you want to leave. You want to save your creativity for taking those bestsellers and making really um interesting and relevant tweaks to them to make them your own so you're not copying someone else's. Basically everything you do needs to be um you need to be creating products that people are already looking for. And here here's the other reason why too. Um almost every single person who's ever going to see any of your products are going to be coming in from a listing. They're not going to be just coming and perusing your shop. It's very rare that someone comes and just looks at your shop and then would oh my gosh, and then they find this completely unique and creative thing that you have there that they never would have searched for, but it's what they, you know, never knew they always wanted. That just doesn't happen. People are using the search bar on Etsy. They're looking for what they're looking for, or they're perusing uh, more general categories on Etsy, um, where you'd already have to be kind of ranked in the algorithm with your, you'd already have to be selling a lot of your product for it to show up in those kind of results anyway. And they're they're looking for what they've already got an idea about, the, and then so, so the point is it needs to be almost exclusively the, the best sell you need to be coming up with your own renditions of the best sellers out there or something similar not something as a bestseller, but something that someone's already searching for. If you are super creative and coming up with your own totally unique thing, which is beautiful by the way, I don't hate that idea, it's just that Etsy's probably not the place to sell it because Etsy's completely search driven. What sells are the things that people are putting in the keyword and then finding the corresponding object. I hope that helps. That's such an important topic. I remember in the beginning of my sign business, um, I created all signs with just like phrases I liked. I didn't pay any attention or I didn't know to do the research of what are the phrases that people are looking for? Like, what are the things that people, you know, already want to buy? I was just doing my own thing and I didn't sell much until I went in and figured out, oh, I need to create my own rendition of, um, you know, be still and know that I am God or to get, um, and so together they built the life they loved, or today is a good day for a good day. Things that people were already searching for. So hopefully that helps. Okay. Now I'm literally at the 50, 50 minute mark. Let me do maybe one or two more of these. And, um, then we will call it a day guys. Um, question from Bridget. How much time should I be spending a week on my Etsy shop? Full-time teacher and two-time mom, so tired. Oh my gosh, girl, I feel you. Okay, here's the thing. Um, There are no rules here. So I think what's most important is consistency. If it's even just one hour a week, but you do it every week, that's better than nothing. Decide based on your capacity, your schedule, the needs of your family, the needs of your job, decide what you can give it and then give it that every week. What I don't want you to do is be like, okay, I did nothing for three weeks and then, oh my gosh, my Etsy shop. And then you spend five to 10 hours in, in like the fourth week to try to catch up for it. That is not going to help you. It's going to be, the consistency is going to be more important. Obviously if you've got some big goals, um, you're going to have to find places to sacrifice time to get that, you know, to get it in there, to get it done. But um, if you're exhausted and stretched in too many different directions, it's going to affect the quality of your work anyway, right? And, um, and what's going and ultimately your results. So I think just decide what you can give it and try to be as consistent as you can. And then um, question from Jamie. She says, how do creators have great pictures with their design on different color shirts, for example, without having to make the shirt? So, um, Jamie, what these people are doing and what you... This literally changed my life when I learned this little trick. They're using mock-ups. So they're not making any of their product at all. They are creating the design and then they are buying from Etsy or from Creative Market or from somewhere else in the interwebs. They are buying pictures of the type of t-shirt that they sell, whether it's Gildan, whether it's Bella and Canvas, whether it's... um, you know, whatever brand it is, and then they are, they're buying the mock-up, which shows the picture either on a model or on a flat lay, and then they can put their design on it digitally using Canva or PicMonkey or whatever, and they can put it on as many different shirts, and they can actually sell the shirt before they've ever even made one. That is how they are doing it. Again, I would reference podcast episode 25 with Jenny from the shop. If you are um, still learning in the print-on-demand space, you're going to learn a billion things Oh my gosh, that episode was so full of insight and you'll, you'll walk away with a lot more questions like that answered, big aha moments. Okay. I definitely didn't get through all these. I'm really sorry, you guys, but we got through a ton and the main themes we have been, we have covered. So I'm happy about that. I think we have done well. Let me know if you like the, like I sit over here and I imagine what kind of episodes you guys love the best um kind of based off my own experience with other um coaches that I listen to, people in the business space that really interest me. Let me know if you liked this. Um and we can do it again. We can do maybe one every six months. I can add the questions that we didn't get to. Um or would you like would you maybe like it better if we do one or two FAQs every episode? Like it's something that we do at the beginning of the end or every episode. I want to know what y'all like. Let me know do you love the interviews? Do you like more of a a solo show when it's just me teaching you something do you like the little success stories do you like the episodes where it's a success story but it's also they're teaching you something about a whole new thing tell me the things that you love the most because i'm only imagining you know what um what what gangster chain <laughs> over here so um hopefully in january i will be several months postpartum and we will be um Picking up steam with a lot more great content. I'll be back to my, you know, four times a month, if not more, posting. And so I really want to know what you want. Feel free to reach out to me via email or on social media. I'll be um, a little slower to respond here, welcoming baby in a few days, but I want to know. We've got big plans ahead. We've got a lot to do together, you and me. So um, I am wishing you the absolute best. Have an amazing week. Again, in two weeks, we're going to have. Paige Hulse, Attorney Paige Hulse, back on the podcast to talk about more amazing um, content. She's so brilliant about protecting your work and how to set up your business and all that good stuff. So I look forward to sharing that with you. And in the meantime, yeah, send me your feedback. Tell me all the things. And in the meantime, also, go make something awesome. I love you guys. Send me all the good vibes, okay? (laughs) Bye. And that's a wrap on this episode of How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you're looking for more resources, head on over to howtosellyourstuff.com, where you'll find podcast show notes, all the links from today's episode, the blog, courses, coaching, and more. If this episode was helpful to you, awesome. The greatest compliment I can receive from you is a rate, review, and subscribe on this podcast. Not only will it allow us to connect again on a future episode, it lets me know I'm providing you with value and helps other people find this content more easily. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. Have a great day and see you next time.